Recovery Elevator, episode 238. That was a huge change because I was getting so caught up in the past. It was making it hard to get to where I need to be. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Brandy. She took her last drink this year on July 17th. She's from Franklin, Tennessee and is 48 years old. I know a lot of listeners struggle with self-compassion, are dealing with self-loathing, and we dive deep into these issues in this interview. This one is raw and as authentic as they come. Brandy does a fantastic job. You guys are going to love it. Two days ago, a book titled Alcohol is Shit came out. This was hands down the biggest project in my life, and I'm so glad to have finished it and put this work out into the world. Since I record these episodes weeks in advance, I have no idea what the consensus is, but some close friends of mine have read it and their feedback has been promising. In my opinion, the book is good. I've read a ton of alcohol self-help books, and this one, mine, is my favorite. It covers what addiction is, how it starts, why it's so hard to see, why it's so hard to say goodbye, and it lays the foundation for a new life. Then it covers several key how-to strategies that work for me and others to say goodbye to the booze. The content of this book is good. Now, if the book is well-written and the ideas in my head make it to the page in an organized and coherent fashion, that's a totally different story. But I want to say thank you to everyone who's been part of it, especially you, the listener. Without you, who is listening right now, the book doesn't happen. It's that simple. This upcoming January 20th to the 31st, Recovery Elevator is putting on an alcohol-free trip to Thailand and Cambodia. Here are some reasons why the mind is probably telling you you can't or shouldn't go. It's on the other side of the world. It's not cheap. Regarding my sobriety, I'm in a good spot. I got this. I don't speak Thai or Khmer. I don't know anyone else who's going. I don't know if I can stay sober before the trip. And I hear you. Those are all valid. But be conscious of where those thoughts are coming from. Now, here are some reasons why I think you should go. It's going to take new experiences, people, places, and things to create your new life. Traveling the world with others who no longer wish to drink alcohol is a magical experience. Listen to the body, heart, and soul. I think they want you to go. Thai food, elephants, bike rides through the Southeast Asia countryside, anger what? You'll build that alcohol-free community the heart has been yearning for. Go to recoveryelevator.com for the full itinerary and details. Okay, let's get started. I've been wanting to do this episode for a long time. So a huge pet peeve of mine is when I hear the word only in regards to how much time someone has away from alcohol. For example, I've only been sober three days, ten days, two weeks, etc., now, to be fair, I think we all start this way, and some, we all do this at some point. Um, sometimes it's out of deference, or we don't want to be overly presumptuous. I know when I first started, I used the word only. In fact, I bet we could pull the tapes off the shelf from the episodes that dropped in 2015, and you'd probably hear me saying the word only. But we need to change this. So first off, any amount of time away from alcohol, which is easy to argue is the most addictive and dangerous drug on the planet, is a major win in my book and any other book that's ever been written. I get emails all the time from listeners saying something like this. Hey Paul, I've been a daily drinker for the past 10 years and I recently decided to quit three days ago. How incredible is that? There's no only about that. 
at all. Any time away from alcohol is a total win. If it's consecutive days away from alcohol, big time. If it's 85% of the days this past August away from alcohol, another big time. Nice job. Another paramount reason to ditch the only is because unconsciously we have a date in mind of when the only will soften, when it will dissolve altogether. For example, I only have 14 days off the sauce, but it won't be so only-ish when I have six months, one or maybe two years. I can tell you now with 100% certainty a trap has already been set. Sure, your life situation will look and feel differently after the post-acute withdrawal symptoms, the healing symptoms, have smoothed out. Things should be better. But attaching a state of being, and usually in this case it's happiness, to a time in the future doesn't work. It never does. When we reach that moment in the future, and internally there is still a feeling of only at the unconscious level, because we've been saying only for a long time now, what do we do? What do we do when we're not feeling that happiness that we thought we'd feel? Well, we double down. We say, aha, nope, I, I, I guess let's put the only hat on till we hit three years, maybe four, maybe five. So how long do we continue to double down? And what does the word only represent? Only equals limited or a lack of or unworthiness and represents scarcity. We want to be careful with this phrase, idea, and the energetic vibrations that encompass the word only. So listen to these phrases. I've only got $3,800 in my bank account. I've only got two weeks of vacation time this year. I only get to yoga once per week. I only have two bananas left. I've only got 42 days away from alcohol. I've only seen Third Eye Blind Live a handful of times. Yikes, sorry to be a Debbie Downer. I just took the podcast down a couple notches. Sorry about that. My bad, but I had to do it. If we keep saying the word only, it will unconsciously reinforce the limited environment that we perceive ourselves living in, and then we'll actually be living in it. So do your best to ditch the lack, the only. And it's also foobar using only to describe how long it's been since your last drink, because any time away from booze is a huge win. So do me a favor. Let's try something. In a second, I want you to hit the pause button on this podcast episode and tell yourself nice job for making it the abundant amount of days it's been since your last drink. If you're doing field research while listening and it may be minutes or seconds since your last drink, I don't care. You're doing this exercise with us. Take a minute or two to do this. Ready? Go. Welcome back. Nice job. I hope you've enjoyed today's segment. I have enjoyed putting it together as always. And before we hear from Brandy, let's hear from today's sponsor, Honey. Nine out of 10 times, shopping online beats going to the store. Let's face it, it's just easier. But nine out of 10 times, you're overpaying when you shop online, unless you use Honey. Honey is a free browser extension that saves you money everywhere you shop online. Honey finds coupon codes and other discounts across the web and applies them automatically at checkout. I don't know how it works, but Honey saves me money where I already shop. It's probably magic. Last week, I bought a pair of board shorts and some sandals at Target.com, and Honey saved me $12. Pretty cool. Just think, the average Honey user saves about $126 per year. That's like 126 cans of LaCroix, or a payment towards a recovery elevator retreat. Over 10 million people are already saving money with Honey. Honey has over 100,000 plus five-star reviews on the Google Chrome store. 
Time Magazine calls Honey basically free money. Listen, there's really no reason not to use Honey. It's free to use, installs on your computer in just two clicks, and it'll save you money so you can treat yourself to something nice. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com forward slash elevator. That's joinhoney.com forward slash elevator. Brandy, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Brandy, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Listeners, Brandy sent me a a detailed message on July 21st, about four or five days after she made the plunge into an alcohol-free life. And I said, dang, I got to get this girl on the podcast. And sometimes, well, majority of time when I, when I respond and say, Hey, how about sharing your story on the podcast? It's, it's like a stage fright. It's like, Oh no, no, I, I I can't, I can't, I can't. Um, but Brandy, here we are right now. I cannot wait to hear your story. Let's get right into this. Brandy, when was your last drink? My last drink was on the night of July 17th at around 1130. And, uh, so that, and I went to bed. <laughs> July 17th. So we're coming up on like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Nice job. How's it feel? It feels good. Yesterday was a little rocky, you know, hitting that anniversary and I was, I was tempted, but I feel good. I mean, it's, you know, what I've enjoyed is waking up with a clear head and sleeping well and just, you know, and I wake up and I'm proud of myself. I'm like, I've done this. And when I get past my witching hour, I'm like, I'm still doing it. So I feel good. It's a little re- raw, a little agitated some days, but I'm good. Of course. Yeah, of course <laughs> it's raw. It's rocky. The agitation can get intense at times. But I loved how you said the feeling of I can do this. I recall uh, the, 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 the best parts of my early sobriety were, was that feeling. Each day I'd wake up and say, whoa, I just did that. I didn't think I could <laughs> do that. I did it. Let's, uh, can I do it again? Let's, 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 let's try this. Nice job, Thanks, Brandy. <laughs> okay, give listeners a little background about yourself. Maybe where you're from, what you do for a living, your age, do you have a family? But most importantly, what do you like to do for fun, Brandy? Well, I'm from Franklin, Tennessee. I'm 48 years old. I work in healthcare. I will not try and explain what my job is because it always confuses everybody. But I work for a great company and they're wonderful. And my family's here. I have a daughter who's 12 and she's my favorite little human in the world. And for fun, I'm trying to reconnect with all that. What I what I have liked to do for fun is make my own grief cards, write poetry, ride horses, go snowboarding. Obviously, I don't do that in Tennessee very often. And what else? You know, uh, I used to like going to sweat lodges and, you know, different kinds of workshops about, because I have a counseling background, but so I'm trying to reconnect with what I like to do for fun for, because I've just isolated for so long. I just watch TV for fun these days, and that's got to stop. <laughs> Yeah, you'll be kind to yourself, right? You can watch some TV, binge some Netflix if you want, go for it. Um, you said sweat lodge. I did my first sweat lodge ooh, this over this winter. They're they're cool, man. They're they're powerful. It's like an internal journey, huge recovery tool that I'm looking forward to doing again. Oh, they're awesome. I loved. I had one that was a guy here in Tennessee who would do a Native American because I know there's different variations of it and different spiritual practices can be brought into it. But his was a very pure Native American. I absolutely loved it every time I went. Yeah, it's a, it's a big lesson in surrender, which we've heard on every <laughs> other, uh, probably every third podcast episode. I was going to be that guy in the sweat lodge that bolts to the door and says, get me the F out of here. It's too hot. <laughs> I'm going to die. My human body is not physically capable to withstand these extreme high temperatures. <laughs> And then I remember just just lying down and saying, Paul, stop fighting this. Just Mm -hmm. go with it. 
and some pretty cool stuff happened after that. Yeah, I definitely want to do another sweat lodge in the future. Real, real quick, what, what you said, what do you want to do for fun? What, what do you hope comes back into your life? Or is there something that you'd like to explore for fun in an alcohol-free life? I want to get back to my creativity. I also want to get back to exploring my uh, spirituality piece. Like I'm sure you've heard the Four Agreements mm-hmm. by Don Miguel Ruiz. I used to like to go. I went to one of the warrior. It was a warrior's journey out in Teotihuacan, and I used to do fun stuff like that. That would just get me around a community of people, and I miss doing those kinds of things. You know, like the Bozeman retreat sounds amazing. I just can't go to that one right now. And Peru sounds amazing, but those kinds of things that get me back and make me step out of my comfort zone and be around the community and enjoy and stay in hope and faith. You know. Yeah, I, I, we saw me look around. I, I, I have that book on my bookshelf, and I was just, yeah, I was like, yeah, I've got the book right there. Um, yeah, and there's some spirituality retreats. I've never been on one, but I want to go on one. And Dr. Sue Mortar, who I've been on two of her retreats, some of her meditation retreats, and some of them are spirituality ones, and I want to, mm-hmm. in the future, attend one of those. All right, Brandy, let's get into this. Give listeners some background with your drinking. Perhaps how much you drank. Did you ever attempt to moderate well, let me rephrase that question. What moderation techniques <laughs> did you use? When did you first realize that drinking wasn't serving you anymore? It was might have been problematic. And did you have any rock bottom moments? Take take some time to give us to get us up to speed and, and, and do us a favor and include ages so we chronologically are up to speed. I would say, you know, back when high school, college, I never really enjoyed it. I just did it. I do remember I would drink too much in high school and sometimes in college, but it was only on weekends kind of things. And it never really kind of consumed my life. It was, if I really, because I've been thinking about this question, and when I really saw it coming, hitting me, was probably in my 30s, probably 33, 34, right before I got, I got pregnant with my daughter when I was 35. So I was a late bloomer. But yes, I got, yeah, she was probably my 35th, (laughs) my 35th birthday, I found out I was pregnant with her. And so happy about that. But it was, I started seeing that issue prior to because I was, it was the first time I had had a roommate that actually had alcohol in the house on a regular basis. And then I found myself drinking at night, but I really didn't reflect on it too much until I got pregnant with her. I'm like, okay, this is a problem that you can't be doing this. Didn't stop me, unfortunately, but you know, I've moderated, I've made sure because I was like, she was more important than that desire. So, you know, I went through that. But during that whole time, I was in a really dysfunctional relationship, and the depression was really intense. And once she was born, it became a lot more difficult to kind of keep it in check. But I did for her because I finally, I left him when she was six months old. And then I could see it was a problem. I would stick it till Wednesday, till weekend all the time. But I want to say it was back in 2000. And let's see, I've been at this job for 45 years. It was about seven years ago, 2012. Well, I want to say I started noticing it, that it was a problem. I noticed it was impacting my how I was re- responding to people, my job. I was having t- stomach issues. It, physically, it was starting to cause issues. So I stopped back around 2012. I can't give you a specific date. And I stopped for about three weeks. And I was really proud of myself. You know, I was had somebody I was checking in with every day and I was feeling really good about myself. And I can't tell you what made me just go back. I, I really, it's all kind of a fog back sure. then, but I know I went back. When you when and, you quit for three weeks, did you see some of the physical ailments go away? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 
it was, yeah, it was so nice to have that go away. But, you know, then I've got like the agitation that you feel. And I was talking to somebody who said, I'm just irritable with everybody. She goes, yep, that's about right. You can't you know right. it out. I'm and, like, <laughs> and Randy, let me throw this out there. You say, I don't remember why I drank after three weeks. The, the, the common response, which I've gone through too, is we hit three weeks or hit a goal, like a 30-day challenge. And then internally we run the dialogue. There's no way I've got a problem with alcohol. I just went three weeks. Does that sound familiar maybe? I knew I did. I just like, I think okay. it was just an effort, fuck it moment. You know, I was gotcha. like, forget it. I'm just going to, I want it and I'm going to yeah. have it and I'm just going to do it. And that was in 2012, mm-hmm. right? And so, so the, the writing was on the wall, 2012. You made a three-week attempt. And that was, what, eight years ago? Nine years ago? No, yeah. seven years ago. Yeah, and so I kept going. And then that whole thing started playing. I don't have a problem with this. I can keep going. And I just put it up behind me. And it was probably the past two years I've really seen the – it really came to the forefront about how much of a problem I had. I'm try- I've been trying to track it down where it all started. And I know I had foot surgery about t- almost two years ago. And I just did some big changes in my life. And I thought I could handle it. And then I think it kind of messed with me with my eating disorder background, but also my body and growing, turning 48 and getting old. And I can't do so much as- anymore. I started feeling frustrated. And so what I do, I go to drinking. It was just, and so it started as a bottle, bottle and a half, and it was about two bottles a night daily. It was insane. Well, let me let me throw something out there for you, Brandy. With your foot, with the aging, you couldn't do as much. You mentioned, would you would you say that you felt like there was a lack of control in your life, like a lack of control in your <laughs> external environment? Absolutely, and I can't stand that. It just drove me nuts. Yeah. Okay. I did not like not having control. There is a direct relation when we feel like we're losing control in our external environment to the amount we consume, which is to control how we feel in our internal environment. Mm-hmm. It's almost like an exact mirror. Okay, mm-hmm. keep going. So, yeah, it was, and like I said, it, I saw all that, and, you know, like I said, with the, so I was trying to, I was watching what was going on with the alcohol, and I was worried about the eating part, and I'm like, okay, I'm not binging, I'm not, I was never a binger, and I was never a purger, but I was like, so my body, I couldn't run, I, I was feeling out of control, and so I just, my ritual was to come home and watch TV, or, you know, and it wasn't making me feel any better, but it would, there was so much I wanted to, I was angry about so much, and it was like it gave me confidence to speak my mind and but I didn't you know what I realized one of the things I really struggled with towards the end what kind of pushed me was it was just a simple it was a simple thing I just redid my house follow me on this will make all, all make sense is I just you're doing great Randy is it was one of those you know I was I was I was taking notes on some of your other podcasts is those purchases so I had this brilliant idea to redo my whole house and get a home equity loan on it to do it. It sounded like a great idea, a great investment. But of course, you know, when I made the decision, I was not in my full facilities. And so I went and did it when I was sober. But after I've got this huge thing and I, the guy hired for the job, he was a nice guy, but he would come when he wanted to come and stay until like six or seven o'clock. And it was driving me nuts. I'm like, where's the respect? Where's, and it was, but the whole combination was like, I was mad at myself because I wasn't setting boundaries with him because, and I couldn't because I was not in my right mind every day. I was either hungover, thinking straight, so I couldn't possibly make a rational decision. So I'm like, I'm taking out all my anger on him, even though he was being disrespectful, but 
I was seeing all that stuff. So fast forward to that night, that night he had just touch-ups to come do. And I was just so mad at him for canceling on me over and over and over. And I just basically sent him a really kind of harsh, I didn't cuss him out, but I said, you know, I'll figure out how to do this on my own. It'd be good for me to learn how to do my own housework, right? And I, I can figure this. out how to touch things up. <laughs> I got this. For those words and on I'm the like, podcast. Oh, by the way, you know, those cabinets you were going to paint, I had somebody else do it and send him a picture. Just oh, It was basically an FU moment. Yeah. I was I was so mad at him. And I said, Brandy, you don't talk to people that way. What in the world is going on with you? And and that was just when I finally I looked at it and I was like, it's time to go to bed. And I woke up the next morning. I took the box of wine I had, top, cut open the top, poured it in the sink, took my wine glass and went to the dumpster and threw it away. Like I said, it's been months of watching that stuff, seeing how I'm not. And this was July 17th, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, so, and, and this is what I want to dive into. I want to zoom in on this a little bit. First off, mm-hmm. we got a great, you might have a drinking problem if, because in the email you sent me, you said every time you drink, you throw away the glass of wine and attempts to, <laughs> I'm done forever. And, and I'm to put a, put an exclamation point on this. I'm throwing the glass of wine away. At this moment, you had one glass of wine left. You had previously thrown all of them away. <laughs> you might have a drinking problem if on your last drunk, you end up throwing your last wine glass away. I love it. <laughs> Okay. This is what I want to zoom in on. Mm -hmm. As I read your email, which was, which was a good length. I appreciate you bringing me up to speed on this. There's, there's a lot of anger here and there's a mirror, Mm -hmm. right? There's a mirror. Um, you're, you're sending texts to people in your outside environment and I'm reading through and there's a lot of anger about, or or, okay. Yeah. There's anger to people in the outside environment. And then you say it in your email, the self-loathing, there's a mirror. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's, it's internal. It's the self self-loathing and this has to be addressed as we move forward in this journey is the mm-hmm. self-loathing. What do you think the self-loathing, what do, where do you think it comes from? Oh, <laughs> it comes from many different things. It comes from, I'm sorry, I'm probably going to cry, but it comes from a lot of missed moments with my daughter because memories, I mean, I remember one that was talking about having memories of no memories mm-hmm. and that one just kills me every single time. Mm-hmm. You know, she's 12 and the past two years, but especially the past six years, I just so many memories and so many moments that I can't get back because of what I did, the way I've talked to my mom, the way I've, you know, just, you know, I just what I've lost him, just a lot of lost time, but a lot of it really revolves around my daughter because it also goes back to, you know, and my mom was an alcoholic growing up. I'm going to spare you all the stories, but, you know, too many stories of waking up with her naked on the floor, having my friends pull her truck off of rock because she high-centered. And I'm like, I'm never going to do that to my daughter. And I'm, I would just sit here and I'm like, I'd wake up the next morning and I'm going, you're doing this. You're you're doing this. So stop it. So you asked if I tried to moderate. Yes, I've tried to moderate. I'm like, okay, only on week, not only mm-hmm. when she's not here. And I just couldn't. I I chose not to do it. I would say I couldn't do it. And yeah, maybe I couldn't do it, but I chose not to because there was just part of like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do because there's other pieces and parts rumbling around in there. And I'm like, you know, she's a gift. If I had not stopped my eating disorder, I could never have had her. And she's a gift. I wasn't supposed to be able to have a child. I only got one fallopian tube. I mean, she's a true gift. And I'm like, you're, you're squandering this. Not to mention you're not showing her a positive, healthy woman you know, I'm like, what kind of role model are you being for yourself? And then, you know, the way I was treating people, like I said, I had no reason to 
talk to my mom like I did. I don't care what our issues are back when I was a child. I'm 48. It's time to look at me and figure me out. The other part was the depression was just, it wears me out. It scares me to death. And when I went to the point of being like, you know, I'm better off not being here. I'm like, what are you doing before? We don't want to be here again. And the depression was just, and I would, I would get up I'm like, okay, I'm going to get all the stuff done at home. And I just get up and I'm like, you know what? I don't have to do anything. So I'll just sit on the couch and just binge watch TV and start drinking at one on the Saturday. And I would, and the next day I wake up and I'm like, you just wasted a whole freaking day. And now I would get mad at myself because I was behind and it was just constant and I was exhausted. And then I was, I didn't want to leave the house because I felt like everybody could see how ugly I was inside and how much of a failure I was inside because I don't dress cute, you know, with my foot thing and whatnot. I just quit caring about how I dressed. I would just be kind of frumpy. And I was like, I don't want to, I, I started getting kind of like, not social anxiety, but I don't want anybody to see me. So it's better to be home. I don't, you know, I wouldn't want to take my daughter. I've been struggling taking her places because I don't, I think she'd be embarrassed to see, be seen with me because I just look so frumpy and I don't dress cute anymore. And, you know, it, it, it's just, I know I'm kind of going on tangents, probably losing the whole track no, of everything, but great. that one has been big and like my dad likes me to go have brunch with him like you know you, you want to be seen with me I look like crap and so I would sit back and look I'm like you can change this all you got to do is start working out again you just need to go buy some cute clothes and it was a culmination I then right back where I was again I'm like screw it who cares I'm going to do whatever I want to do and if people don't like what I look like that's their thing but I'm like nobody's you know the only people who is judging you are you and if they have an issue with the way you look, then that's their stuff. Let them have it. So I could rationalize all that because I've got a counseling background. So I can, you know, go through, put that counseling hat on really quick and go through the, all the stuff. And then it's just right back. So, yeah. Does that answer your question in a long Brandy, <laughs> you are doing fantastic. Absolutely. And you can change this and you will change this. And let's look at this for what it is. You're almost two weeks away from a drink. And sure, quitting alcohol is hard, but the real challenge is going internal. And that's exactly what you've done. And Brandy, this is a one-way street. And if you do additional field research, that's fine, because I know you're going to get back on this. It is a one-way street. There is no going back. And you mentioned mm -hmm. it. Um, your daughter is a gift, right? She has given mm -hmm. you the strength and the courage to go within, to make the most transformational change you are ever going to make in your entire life. And you are in the middle of it. Right. And of course it feels good. You say, how, you know, earlier, how's it feel? Oh, it feels great. I feel good. But of course there's rocky days, there's rocky moments because the why behind the drinking is going to start to emerge. And here's, here's where it gets tricky, right? You said you have the counseling background and you can read all the self-help books in the world to address <laughs> the self-loathing awareness is going to nip it in the butt. Awareness is mm -hmm. there isn't much to do. There isn't much to fix. It's simply being aware of it. Every time mm -hmm. a text gets sent out to somebody else, it, it's, you're basically sending it to yourself. It's a direct mirror a direct correlation. And <laughs> this has to be fun. This whole journey. Okay. Fun. It's not fun every day, but it's, it's, it's the concept. We can't fight fire with more fire. We can't fight darkness with darkness. We can't fight self-loathing with more loathing. We can't, <laughs> we can't double down on that and be like, God damn it, Paul. God damn it. Brandy. We're going to fucking love ourselves right now. Fucking put your love pants on. It doesn't work <laughs> that way. And Randy, I was there too. In 2014, the self-loathing got so intense. I acted on ending it and it didn't work. It didn't work. Right. And it wasn't like mm -hmm. the next day I was like, Oh, I love myself now. The next day <laughs> it was, God, I hate myself even more for not even be able to pull that off. Holy shit. What the fuck? 
That was five years ago. That was five years ago. And, and this is a concept I'm still deepening with. And I fully understand it's nothing that I have to fix. It's just with awareness, just being aware mm. of it. And, and this is something that took a couple of years where internally, when my dialogue would get going, Brandy, I would say, Paul, you fucking idiot. I mean, this, this was, this was like the inner dialogue for 20 years, 15 mm -hmm. years, and it became more intense recently. And then about two years ago, I was like, Paul, you goofball. And I was like, what, 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 what did, what did the unconscious mind just say? I said, Paul, you goofball. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what just happened? I just called myself a goofball. And so the point I'm trying to make is it went from Paul, you fucking idiot to Paul, you're a goofball. That took time. That took time. And this is going to take time, but it's also reassuring to know there isn't much we have to fix, right? And everything mm -hmm. we do has to be out of love. For example, going to yoga class or going to exercise class, eating right, buying yourself new clothes. If that's out of fear that you're going to hate yourself, if you don't do that stuff, well, you're back on the self-loathing cycle. And so yeah. both of us, Brandon, let's make a pact right now, you and me. Every decision mm -hmm. we make is out of love for ourselves, And we need to double check this, almost everything. Everything we make, a, we prepare a healthy meal for ourselves in the morning. We do it mm -hmm. not out of fear that uh, we're going to get fat or we're, we're going to feel bad the next day. Or if we sit down to meditate, we're not going to do it out of fear that our mind will be crazy later in the day. If we don't meditate or the day will go to total shit, we're going to do it out of love for an investment for ourselves. So we good with this? Can we do this? Absolutely. I like that idea. Yeah. It's a great idea. And listeners, I don't look at everybody when the interview, so we just have the good audio quality, but I got, I got brand new face to face right here. We're doing it. <laughs> We're doing it. I agree. Yeah, and I can see it in her face. She's she. This is raw. This is raw. Two weeks in, like I said, I I, I email I email people back and say, hey, do you want to share your story? Most times it's crickets. Sometimes people come back and say, hey, oh my god, uh, I wait, wait, um, no, oh, I need I need I need six months. I I need a year. Wait, wait, wait till I get my job figured out, my house figured out. Wait till I get my my relationship figured out. Wait till I get my my lawn figured out. Wait till I get this figured out. There's nothing to figure out. It's now or never. There's nothing never. to figure out. So, so, so I'm saying, Brandy, you're, you're kicking so much ass right now. You are kicking so much ass being here right now, just just blowing the awareness on all kinds of things in your life. That's what's going on right now. And of course it's hard. You're going into a room in your house, like turning the light on, you're shining on and like, oh, the paint needs to be fixed. Oh, the floorboards are falling off. Oh, carpet needs to be replaced. That's what you're doing in your life right now. And it's not easy. But words like compassion, fun, joy, laughter, smiles, hugs, mm. good songs, those are all toolkits, descriptives, descriptors, adjectives that are in the sobriety toolkit. They have to be. They actually have to be. There's no room for any other stuff. And that's not positive thinking. That's not optimism. That's just a fact. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that those things have to be. This is not a war on addiction. This is not a war on my own internal self-loathing. It doesn't work that way. So, Brandy, nice job. You're doing great. How are you feeling right now? I'm good. You know, it's, it's probably could still keep crying, but I I feel good. I'm, you know, it feels good to laugh. It really does feel good to laugh. So I'm just happy. You know, it was funny because I did. I thought about that when you asked me to schedule. And I'm like, you know, maybe I should have a couple more weeks under my belt. Maybe I'm like, no, if you do it that way, it just, it just, just, just do it. Step outside your comfort zone and just do it, you know, because if you keep putting it off, you'll just keep putting it off until you're ready. And you have to just try something different. So day so. one, so you throw away your last wine glass the night before, <laughs> God moment number one, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and then the next day your boss has a company pool party. 
<laughs> um, we're like, oh, great. Thanks. Um, you make it through that without drinking. You set a 20 minute timer. You had an intense craving that night. Someone's listening to the podcast. Nice job. And then God moment number two, the dot, your daughter who usually spends the weekend with her father texts and says, Hey, I'm going to come with you. You probably would have drank that night. So mm-hmm. the universe is synergistically lining up with your intention to quit drinking. Mm-hmm. And you, you roll out about four or five other God moments. And I'm like, wow, cool. Your intention has been heard. Let's move forward this. You're, you're deciding to move forward, learning out of wisdom and intuition and not on the other side of that, not out of fear. So how's this two weeks been? Give us the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, it, it's it's been good. You know, I kind of got that. It was funny. The pink cloud was kind of, I felt it. And then I, when I didn't feel it this week, it kind of drove me a little bit bonkers. But that's why I was like, okay, sit down in this. And you now what can you do? What can you do? What can you do? I think I shared it has been funny. I did share on the cafe re about the running into the wall at one o'clock in oh, the morning, right. and I now have I have my scar here. Sober though. And, uh, sober. Yeah. Sober of all freaking things. And I still laugh that my daughter was cracking up in the car with me, and but just so great, you know. So it's been funny moments. So now I, the joke is, what am I going to do next that I never did? That's you know, it's just going to be that moment of laughter and going really now, you know. This could have happened, but gratitude that it happened when it happened, how it happened. Now I'm seeing this week, like I said, because I didn't, when I was last week, yeah, last week, because I was at work, so I would get up and I started, you know, I really do, I want to say thank you to so many of the people who have been on your podcast because they've, I wish I could remember everybody's names because they, they really do share so many things like the morning rituals or the just different things to, to do something. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up 10 minutes earlier and I'm going to, get my affirmation books back out. And so I was doing that before work and I'd listened to my podcast and I had my little routines. This week is why it's been so profound is because I didn't realize, I was like, oh, it's going to be nice. I can get up when I want. I'm like, no, you need to stay on some kind of routine. But if I didn't have that work, I would just sit on the couch and binge watch my crime shows or find a cool, you know, intellectual kind of psycho movie, not psycho movie, but like the ones who make you think. I'm like, this is kind of fun. I'm going to do this. But this is where this week has really been good because I wasn't listening to your podcast as much. I wasn't, I was checking in with Cafe Ari, but I was like, ah, the community. And I knew better. I'm like, the community. It's listening to those podcasts, listening to those stories, finding that even if it's just for 10 minutes while you're fixing your hair or doing whatever you're doing or just having your coffee. And so this week was that, okay, so next week you know what to put back in place and you know what to put in place right now. So make a choice and quit complaining if you get rocky. So I was testing myself because last night, like I said, it was tough. It was so tough. And I was like, just do it. And I'm like, no, but then I got to tell Paul I relapsed. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, so when 11 o'clock, I'm like, I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, you got two more hours, just two more hours. And so I sat there and around 11 o'clock, I walked outside. I'm like, I did it. And I'm going to bed and I'm going to do this and I'm going to bed sober. And I lay down so peaceful and grateful that I did it one more day. And I'm going to do it, you know, I'm going to, I'm up, I'm going to take my daughter to the batting cage and we're going to have fun, you know? So it's been very educational (laughs) this past two weeks and just hopefully I can keep applying it today and tomorrow. My goal is 30 days, but right now it's today. There we go. There we go. I was just going to say that. So yeah, there's been some God moments, HP moments, some synergistic (laughs) universal moments. And He's I got a would, good sense of humor. <laughs> and I would even say this this podcast is one of them. 
right? Oh, absolutely. You, yes. You, you send an email to a podcast host. He's like, let's do an interview. It's on the calendar <laughs> last night. I don't know if this interview had not been on the calendar, if you'd be sober today. And I got another one for you. Here's a date. Mm-hmm. Brandy, August 1st right now. This interview comes mm-hmm. out September 9th, right? Okay. I want uh-huh. you to write this on a calendar. I want you to circle it. But mm-hmm. don't look at that date every day. Just look at the day you're on. That's it. Yep. That's it. But here's, here's another deal. Two, two commitments. Number one, do your best mm-hmm. to make it to 9-9, September 9. Okay. Number two, second commitment. If you do additional field research before that, I want you to say, oh, well. Can we do that? Yes. Say, oh, well. doesn't matter. Oh, well. Oh, well. It doesn't matter, right? doesn't mm-hmm. matter. We got to go slow. Go, we got to go really <laughs> slow with this, okay? If, if your first yeah. month, two months, first year involves catching up on every series on Netflix that you ever wanted to watch, then Brandy, then do it and do it. We got to go slow with this. We have to mm-hmm. go slow. We have to lighten up. We have to lighten up. In fact, when I first started doing the retreats and the meetups, I think our first was in was like Chicago, 2017. I mean, it was like, put on your game face, grab your journal and pen, and let's start recovering. <laughs> and the further along, after everyone, I'm like, wait a second. We just, there's more laughter. And, and then we just want to smile. We just want to have fun. Um, and, and, and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful way that's set up because we, it's what we want. And it's the best medicine. Wait, this is easy. And so if you do come to a retreat, Bozeman's in three weeks. I highly, or two weeks, do your best to get, you should come. They're fun. That's it. They're fun. <laughs> Laughter is the best medicine. I don't have to like re, I don't have to reinvent the textbook. I didn't invent that. Laughter is by far the best mm. medicine and there's going to be a lot of it. And I want, <laughs> I want that to be in your life. I want that. Promise me you're going to do your best to find laughter. That's what I'm trying to do every single day. Well, that's one of my goals every day. Find it wherever I can because it is, it's magic. I love it. Yeah. It is. And Brandy, we got two weeks. What's your plan moving forward? I'm going to, you know, make me better about reaching out to people. Um, I have found some meetings that, that I've gone to in the past when I was trying to do this. And I'm, I want to get back to those. I haven't totally committed to those yet. But, you know, it's getting back into my, you know, morning routines, con- continuing to reach out to community. And I really want to introduce some of the stuff I did for fun. Even if it's just one thing, you know, I, I, there really is that thing about just making one change. So, and just not to do it, you know, it's like, okay, you can do that and just do it for a week or two weeks or don't feel like you have to get them all back in, in a month, you know, get back in and, and get that routine. And then, you know, not trying to be the perfectionist and get it all right and figure out where I'm broken and not broken, but you know, where I can get some more help and step outside my comfort zone. That's sure. a big one. I really have got to work on that one and quit hiding and asking for help. Here we go. One more thing before we hit the rapid fire round. Earlier, you mm-hmm. mentioned you, you know, you're, you're constantly reflecting, looking back of where things went wrong or where they went off track. And I know that's a familiar narrative with a lot of listeners. I've done it too. But we need to stop. We need to let mm-hmm. the past die hard. It's behind us. <laughs> let it go. Now, we need to occasionally reference the past to make better informed decisions for the future. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. Mm-hmm. But the past is gone. Let's let it die. I agree completely. And that's what feels good about this round with what I'm doing is I feel like that was a huge change because I was getting so caught up in the past. It was making it hard to get to where I need to be. Where it gets dicey is if we're caught up in the past, we actually just wrote the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like Joe Dispenza type stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. We have reached the rapid fire round. Mm-hmm. You ready to go? I'm ready. All right. What's a light bulb moment you've had on this journey? You know, a light bulb moment, how many times I've thrown wine glasses away? 
There we go. I love it. <laughs> what is a memorable moment that sobriety has given you? You know, um, it was probably the other night I was sitting here with my daughter and we were watching Disney movies and just being goofy. And then she put on Elton John and we started dancing oh, and it was fun. Do more of that. <laughs> well, we're going to his concert in October. We are so excited. Did you see his movie? Not yet. I haven't yet either. I want to see it. No. Uh, what's your favorite alcohol-free drink? Unfortunately, it's Diet Dr. Pepper, but lemonade co- takes a, a close second. I love some lemonade. Love me some lemonade too. Uh, what are some of your favorite resources? Well, my friends that are in, I mean, even people who aren't in sobriety, but who just know me and know I can be my full self with it. So my friends are indefinitely uh, my affirmation books, but definitely those people who have loved me through every piece, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yep. Showing you how to do the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. What's on your bucket list? My bucket list. Gosh, I wish I could do the Peru trip. I want to go and travel. I used to travel, like go to a different beach every summer. I want to go find a really cool place to take my daughter because she loves that kind of stuff. So I want to you know, do some stuff that I used to do for fun as a free spirit and, and do that with her and start making some memories with us together that we never got to do and get back into making my cards again and moving forward with a, with some dreams I had about do, making that a part of my lifestyle. I'm just, like I said, it's a dream to like, if I could ever make that a business again. So, yeah. And what parting piece of guidance do you have for listeners? You know, even if it's hard to step out and um, reach out, and it doesn't have to be huge, just that one change or that one little thing that you might not have done yesterday that's going to make you change your path just a little bit to get where you want to go. And before we depart, Brandy, give listeners your own customized that you might have a drinking problem if one. Oh, you might have a drinking problem if you have to sit before you buy that next bottle of wine, if you have to figure out where the wine, where you are in your rounds through your wine stores to figure out which one you need to hit. You can't hit the set too soon. Yep. That'll work. (laughs) Brandy, great job. I love this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. It was a good way to start the day. So thank you. The best way to start the day. Back up, zoom out, put the drone in the sky and see your progress. In the day-to-day trenches, it can be difficult to see just how far we've come. If you find yourself spinning out, do me a favor. Pause for a moment and think of the emotional distance traveled. This doesn't have anything to do with the sobriety time or time away from alcohol, but that you're still moving forward in the biggest journey in your life. For some reason, since April of 2018, I've decided to uncover every stone in my life shine the flashlight around every tree and boulder to expose the shadows that may lay behind. I've gone through the most profound growth of my entire life in the past 15 months, and it's been intense, it's been uncomfortable, and it's been beautiful. So what do I do when I uncover something that is no longer serving me? I turn on the fire hose of awareness and start blasting. So the idea for how to close out this episode came as I was doing the same exercise this morning. When I zoom out from where I was at on September 7th, 2014, holy shit, I have come so far. And so have you. Recovery Elevator, this isn't a no to alcohol, but a yes to a better life. I love you guys.